what you hear in this beginning track that I've played for you is the sound of revival. My church that I attend has been in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit since 2016. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to talk about what revival is, you know, what it means to me from my perspective. Of course, lots of people have lots of different perspectives. I don't agree with all of them. You may not agree with mine. Uh, but what I will say is that for me personally, I was once kind of dead in my Christianity and today I'm not. And so many might say, well, that's what you're experiencing isn't revival. But personally, I have, have been revived. I am alive again in Christ. Um, and it's a long story kind of about what happened um, that led to really for us, for our church to become completely dead and then to be brought back to life by the Holy Spirit um, for all practical purposes we should probably should have you know our church would have closed it was that it, we, we were at that point where it almost did close it almost did go a different direction and um, it didn't and so all we can do is give glory to God for that honestly um, because our church came back to life and our story is one of millions of stories I mean it's just it's like a salvation story really you know, you hear someone talk about how they come to Christ, how they repent of their sins, how they're born again, and you can hear that story from anyone, and it's the same story, and something registers in your spirit that it's the same, right? Revival is, a, is the same way. When people talk about being in an outpouring, or a move of God, or revival, or an awakening, or whatever you want to call it, renewal, there's something that is familiar to it if you are if you're tuned in to what that is um, I would say as a church we were very tuned in to the idea of revival um, before I go too much further though let's read a scripture together um, Acts three nineteen says repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord I like that word times because it gives you the idea that there will always be more to the presence of God for you as the Christian who's repented of their sins whose sins have been blotted out they've been born again they are in Christ it gives you the idea that there will be times where you can be revived where there can be more of the presence of God I think we sell ourselves short when we say oh I've been there I've done that I've been to the revival meetings I've been to revivals I've had these encounters with God um, maybe people are afraid they're going to end up being mystics or something but but if God is spirit and he is acting in the natural world and he is encountering and engaging and refreshing Christians and the word says there will be times of it you're selling yourself short you're selling God short if you don't hunger and thirst for times of refreshing and I would say as a Christian when I was born again 2005 
I mean, I was, I was in love. I was smitten by the love of God. I was just undone by Jesus, really. And I kind of think for me personally, I went, it was like a, a threefold kind of experience to get to where I am now. Because I think when you're born again, it's the Savior that, that captivates you. Like when you know that Jesus died for you, like he went to the cross with you in mind. He died with your sins on him, that he, he took those sins and he took the wrath of God for you. When you know that it's a personal thing, that he, with the joy set before him, he thought about Pastor Andrew. Um, not even Pastor Andrew, he just thought of Andrew. <laughs> it wasn't about titles or recognition. It wasn't about status or anything that I could claim. It was this pure and simple love connection to my Savior. So when I was first born again, I mean, I was like the, the, the woman pouring out the alabaster box, you know, like I was zealous. I was just full of zeal. And I was like, I was defending Jesus. I, you know, if you, if you even so much as, you know, said something sideways against Jesus, we're going to fight. I mean, I, he, it was like protecting my lover in some kind of weird way. I mean, I was that captivated and undone by the love of God, but specifically the love of Jesus for my soul. Um, and I still am, don't get me wrong. And I kind of I cling to that for a while. And as I, for a couple of years, that's the, that's where I was. And then I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I have a whole brand new revelation that that it's really the Holy Spirit working in me, that he's revealing Jesus to me, that my love for Jesus is really the, the, the Christ anointing working in my heart, stirring me to love Jesus, that I love because God loved me. Well, how is the Father interacting with the world but by the Holy Spirit? Jesus, as God and man, walked the earth. And the revelation that a real man and God in one died for me, captivated me. But when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was like electrically charged again. It was another, It was a time of refreshing, really, for me. And so now I'm like madly in love with Jesus. And I'm just in love with the things of the Spirit and captivated by the, the calling on my life to, to serve God, knowing that the point of my baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't just so that I would speak in tongues. That was the evidence that it had taken place, but it was also the evidence that now I am equipped. Now I have the power of God to do the stuff, to go the distance, to do the miracles, to preach the gospel, to you know, raise the dead, cast out demons that I was empowered. You know, when you look in the book of Acts and you see Jesus told the apostles, go and wait for the promise, go and wait for the spirit. And when the spirit has come, then you'll be witnesses. They didn't know really what that would even mean. I mean, so they sat in an upper room in Acts chapter two and they waited and they probably prayed 
for revival. They prayed for the presence of God. They prayed and they sought the Lord and they waited and they burned and they yearned and they didn't let go of the promise that was given to them by Jesus. And they, they stayed there. And then the Holy Spirit pours out. And then Peter gets up. He'd just been accused by the same mob of being drunk. In the, or, you know, it's too early for you to be this wasted. Like, I guess you can get wasted later in the day. I don't know, but they were drunk on new wine. And he stands up and he preaches a sermon that wins 3,000 souls, right? Um, but it's this beautiful idea that I went from just being in love with Jesus and knowing that God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son that I had now believed in him, that I will not perish, but I'll have everlasting life, that I was undone by this Jesus that was given to me, that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You know, that captivated me. But then I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was just, I mean, I'm like Peter. I'm like full of zeal to preach, and I get called into to the ministry almost immediately. It was, I'm baptized, in, I'm born again in 2005 for a couple of years. I'm holding doors in the church. I'm sweeping the parking lot. I'm cleaning the bathroom. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Anything I can do. Then I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and everything changes. The way I talk begins to change. The way I think begins to change. I'm, I'm on fire. There's something in my bones that I cannot contain. And it wasn't just so I could speak in a prayer language. Although, that's a wonderful and beautiful thing, and I'll probably spend some time speaking about that in an episode, because I think it's important. Um, it's indispensable. I mean, you need it. Not to go to heaven, but if you want to make it in this life, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. Side note, we'll come to that some other time. But then I was, you know, one day in a conversation, I was speaking to my pastor about, um, you know, something that was bothering me from college and I was taking a class on anthropology and the instructor was just didn't know really much anything and was making a lot of blanket statements more or less offending me concerning the things of God like I told you I was a super zealous so I'm telling him about it and I'm on fire and I'm like I mean I'm, I'm preaching I'm like you know Jesus is the only way he's the truth he's the life no one comes to the father but by him and I remember this moment where my pastor says you're a preacher and I was like okay <laughs> and I thought never in a million years has that crossed my mind well never in a million years am I going to be a preacher or a pastor no no concept of that but it but I remember that moment it went through me like electricity to hear those words and I walked away bringing it to God really and being like really Lord are you serious like a preacher a preacher you, you want me, if, if my pastor's right, then there's something, we got to reconcile what's going on with this, because I don't even know where to begin with being a preacher, okay? Now, I tell you this because I had part two, you know, I had the love of Jesus, and then the part two of the Holy Ghost, and empowerment, but there's one thing that I lacked, was a revelation of the Father <laughs> and His love for me and the revelation of grace. Um, gosh, she got up. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, okay? I'm going to tell you now. Like, the what revival has done to me has ruined me. I can't listen to anybody talk about the love of the Father now. I can't listen to people talk about grace without freaking out and laughing and falling on the floor, rolling in the just goodness of God. I, I'm un, I mean, I'm destroyed, okay? And I didn't have that. This has only been in my life since 2016. I mean, I've had some smatterings of revelation about these things, but nothing like what happened to my life in 2016. But to go back, I'm called to, to the ministry. I know that. And I remember one day I'm driving to work and I'm, I'm driving into downtown Fort Worth and I just I feel this just piercing word in my in my spirit. The Lord says, I want you to plant a church in Fort Worth. And at the time, I lived in Hearst, Texas, near the church that I served in, that I went to, that I was born again in. And so I'm going to that church, living in Hearst, but the Lord's calling me to Fort Worth. And so immediately, I I, I mean, I, I just begin to pray about this. I begin to chew on it. And I'm like you know, when, you know, I'm thinking when, when, when's a good time, right? When do you do this? Okay. So I don't know. Um, it, is it tomorrow? Is it six months? Do you need a year of preparation? Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I've been to school. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have an education. I have degrees. It, none of it. I, I will, I'm telling you the truth. None of it matters for ministry for me. None of it. It was purely entertainment to study theology and religion and sociology and philosophy and humanities and, and I love it and I, I teach and I use some of that education you know it credentialed me to be able to teach um, but at the end of the day like you need the anointing if you want to preach the gospel, if you want to minister to people, you want to help anybody, you need the anointing that destroys the yoke. You don't need head knowledge. You don't need to, to learn communication. You don't need to take a homiletics class. I'm sorry. And no people will disagree with me. Um, and those things are fine. And I am interested in them. And I like them. I think that uh, really more than anything, they're usually telling you the, the mechanics of how good preaching works works but it's not always because the good preacher had that education if they have the anointing of god they're going to have hermeneutics they're going to have the ability to to know the message of the original authors and their intent they're going to be told by the spirit of god you can't read the bible or preach or do any of that without the anointing from the holy ghost if you don't have that head knowledge isn't going to fix you but most of the time what we what you study in seminary is not all I mean, if you go to a spirit-filled seminary, you're going to do a little bit better because you're going to probably study more spirit-filled Pentecostal preachers and exegetes, and most of them didn't get where they were just simply because they were educated. They got where they were because they had the anointing. All of this is to say, I had the calling. I didn't know where I was going to plant a church in Fort Worth. I wasn't sure about this, but I knew for sure I was called. And I remember going to my pastor and I said, I really feel like I'm called to plant a church in Fort Worth. And he said, okay, when do you want to start? And I was like, well, maybe like a year or something. 
And he was like, okay, well, how about next month? And I was like, maybe six months? Um, <laughs> nonetheless, before I knew it, in October of 2008, I was holding my very first meeting um, in the back room of a Nazarene church in West Fort Worth. It was actually the church that my pastor's father had pastored. Uh, he was pastor there when he died. Uh, back in 2004, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that year there, but um, which was a kind of redemption in a lot of ways. It was a good thing because we were able to kind of go back and, and minister in a place that really was a source of a lot of pain for my pastor. And um, if you hear the stories, you would know that it was painful, not a good thing, not a great place in a lot of ways. So there was this awesome redemption. In fact, we had our one-year anniversary in that in the sanctuary of this church, and I would say that meeting was what we experience all the time now. That was the that was revival. That was, <laughs> there was fire in that meeting, and um, so it was a good way to mark the first year of my my ministry. Um, but there was still something I lacked: revelation of the Father. And his love for me, his acceptance for me, and, and and the revelation of grace. I I by nature am a hard worker. Like I will grind it. I will do you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Give me a list of ten things, I'll do eleven. That is something that's in my nature. Um, but what was also deeply seated in my nature was that I did a lot of that because I wanted to be approved. Why did I want to be approved? Well, I mean, I didn't know that I already was approved <laughs> in Christ. I didn't know, I didn't have a revelation that like, no matter what I do, God loves me. He accepts me and he likes me. Doesn't mean you don't do the stuff. You know, people hear you say that and then they think you, you've got some twisted doctrine that's like, you know, well, we're just going to be lazy and just soak up the love of God. Well, I mean, honestly, I'll be <laughs> the way I got that revelation that I was accepted and approved and loved and liked by God was the because I did just sit down and do nothing for a long for a while. In fact, I haven't been doing much of anything since 2016. I mean, I even went to Germany and kind of just to be honest with you, didn't really do much. I just was there and looked for opportunity to preach the gospel. But even there, living in Germany for six months, I was just constantly soaking in the presence of God and the, the, the revelation that he loved me, he liked me, and whether I talked to 10 people or no one about Jesus in Germany, that I was approved, that I was gonna get the gold star, that I was gonna get the 100 because it's all about the glory of Jesus and what he has imputed to us, that he has imparted to us, through, by his righteousness that makes us good before God. Um, but it took me a long time to not say go to Germany and talk to six or seven people in six or six months um, to not feel that I was disqualified. Like before then, I would feel like guilty. I would feel like I missed it, I blew it, I should have done more, I didn't do enough, I wasn't approved, I, I, God's going to reject me, and my pastors are going to reject me, and people are going to think I'm a fraud and a fake, and that's the way I lived, and I'm just being honest, that was, that was how I lived as a Christian 
for most of my Christianity. I didn't know it, and I was in denial that it was there, but it was there. And so I began in 2008 pastoring, and we push hard, and you know, and we had many other church plants going on at the same time. And to be honest with you, it felt like we were all in competition with each other, constantly trying to one up the other. If the other person did something good or you know fruitful, then I it felt like well then I have to do it in my church too because they're successful and succeeding in this thing. So so I should be doing it too because if it, if that was a word they had, then maybe I should have the same word. And I had no like identity as a church. I mean, it was trying to replicate what was going on in our home church, but at the same time competing with my other pastor friends in the same ministry. And it wasn't like nasty competition, but it sure wasn't the Holy Ghost leading most of the ideas. It was always like running from one thing to a next to the next, never focusing. And why would I do that? Well, for one, I didn't know who I was. I didn't understand that it was grace. I didn't understand that I could just sit and wait on God, literally. In fact, <laughs> I, I, I ended up closing my church in 2016. Um, not a single regret in the world. Don't feel a bit of shame about it. I know it was the Lord. I know every word that God gave me about my church was the Lord. I Even to when we moved from one building to another, it was totally the Lord. It was set up. It was divine. God asked me, where do you want to move your church? I said, I want to move it right here next to this strip club. And one day a rent sign comes up on that building. I call the guy and I said, the Lord told me that to put a church in this building and he said that's funny I'm a Christian too and I was praying about this and I told my wife wouldn't it be awesome if a church came into this building and so we meet and I prayed about it I said Lord I only want to pay eight hundred dollars and that's really all I have for this place but it's worth a couple grand a month I meet the guy we pray and he said okay how much do you he said how much do you want to pay and I said eight hundred dollars is what the Lord told me and he said, okay, because God told me, this is what the guy says to me, he said, God told me to what, to what, whatever you say, to say yes. And I said, $800. And he said, all right, then that's the Lord. And that's what God wants if he told you. And so I'm like, this whole thing was divine, man. It was so set up. I'm doing the stuff, you know, and I could have kept my church open. I really could have. But at the time, see, something was going on in the church in Hearst that I play guitar in the band, Deliverance Bible Church, okay, in Hearst, Texas. I'm I'm serving in that capacity there and had always throughout the years. And then I'm, I did the church planning on the side. And then we were also going all over the world preaching the gospel since 2010. I mean, I've been to Denmark, Germany a couple times. I've been to Thailand, South America, you know, I've been all over. And so we're doing all the stuff, right? And, but God starts to move in 2016 in our church. And I remember as God began to move and I began to to close, come to the end of my church plant, um, those last few meetings were really the best, honestly, the best meetings in the world because where I used to come to the church, I'd come an hour or two before I would to prepare my sermon and I would most of the time just read the Bible and 
read commentary and look up words in the Greek and I'd do all that and you know I'd pray in the Holy Ghost while I was doing it that's kind of how I did it for years um, but then I got to where honestly I would show up to the church about an hour before and I would just lay on the floor and I would listen to worship and uh, just listen I think at the time I was listening to United Pursuit Will Reagan stuff like that and I would just lay on the floor and I would fight this feeling that like that that wasn't okay and I would just lay there and soak in the presence of God and I would weep and I would and I would not laugh yet laughter didn't come yet but I would just weep and I would just enjoy the presence of God and I and there was this this gnawing thing that would tug at me that would say you know like shouldn't you be doing more I mean really pastor Andrew shouldn't you be preparing your sermon for sound exegesis shouldn't you be working your hermeneutics right now what do you and and I would I would feel rejected but it was a spirit of religion it was a spirit of Jezebel that oppressed me that said do this do that go you know stay busy work hard get approved clean yourself up present yourself to God you know and then if I did fall into sin I'd be just wrecked and ruined and I'd feel like I did disqualify myself and I would think you know there's no way I can talk to people about God who's holy because I'm so unholy I'm so wicked I'm so unrighteous and it was just this that was the cycle of being in ministry and being a Christian you know for eight years and I just would go in in those last meetings and I would lay there something had began to change in me something began to shift um, I remember there was two occasions where the as this is when revival had just kind of began and I say revival in that the joy of the Lord began to be poured out in Hearst Texas in 2016 at Deliverance Bible Church and that is what began to mess me up there was two things I always had a problem with as a Christian I didn't like it when people said daddy and I thought the joy of the Lord was weird and unbiblical. Okay, I didn't like those two things. As a third thing I didn't like as well, um, and I'll, maybe I'll get into that some other time, but what I didn't like was this joy thing. Oh, the, okay, I'll tell you. The third thing is I didn't like it when people emphasized grace. Okay, I didn't like that. So I didn't like people calling God daddy because I had no revelation of God as a loving, endearing in, you know warm and embracing father I didn't have a revelation of that and I didn't like it when people laughed because honestly you know I had like a like an even keel kind of joy that like no matter what I was pretty happy all the time I mean I wasn't depressed or anything like that but it, the only times I would go through depression was usually over sin in my life or feeling I was disqualified or that I'd blown it and that I was rejected felt or feeling rejected by my pastor or something like that and so I didn't have a revelation of, of joy at least not to the point of laughing and, and how would you even know somebody had joy unless they were rejoicing when they were laughing so I had no revelation of joy I didn't like what people called God daddy and I preached against greasy grace as I would call it I would talk, I mean, I preached against anyone that would make, you know, the grace of God seem like it was this thing to be taken advantage of, you know. But I had a terrible revelation of what grace was, um, that 
now I've come to understand that it's all grace. It's the whole thing is grace. It's nothing but grace, right? <laughs> it's like I, my entire Christian life is built upon the foundation that it is a gift from God, that it is God's great pleasure to give to me righteousness, holiness, identity, sonship, okay, because of the blood of Jesus only, and that I only get any of that by faith alone. I mean, these are foundational Protestant doctrines, but we miss it. We, we don't really think, well, what then what does that mean? And, and that's what I'm going to get to here is that revival for me was when my theology went from being something in my head that I could doctrinally and dogmatically present as a teaching to an experience. When it went from theology to experience, boom, life changed. Um, and I'm, I'm never going back. I'll tell you that now. Never going back. But there was two occasions. I think I told you I was going to tell you this. There was two times where the joy hit me. And I didn't. It, I don't know what it was. And I don't understand. I didn't understand it. And I didn't know why. And um, one occasion, I was watching some Kenneth Hagin videos. And I had, you know, I knew who he was, but I wasn't, I didn't really understand a lot of his teaching or I hadn't followed him. I was pretty sure that he was word of faith and I knew that and I didn't have a problem with that. I used to, but at this point I didn't have a problem with it anymore because I believe if you speak the word in faith, that's biblical, you will, you will have what you say if the promises of God are declared in your own life. The promises are for you. You can receive them. You can't have them if you don't believe them in faith. How are you going to know you have faith rather than you have a confession and you speak it out? It's not new age, people. It's just reading the Bible, believing what it says, and letting your testimony align with what Scripture says about your life. It's not new age. Settle the freak down. It's biblical. So... I had no problem with Word of Faith at this point. I'm watching Kenneth Hagin, and they're laughing, and they're laughing, and they're laughing. And uh, they're just laughing. That's it. And at first, I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really get all this laughter stuff. And then something began to bubble up in me, and I was like, kind of like looking like, whoa. Something is trying to come out of my mouth. And I yielded to it. If I could tell you the simple answer, how to receive revival, how to receive the joy, how to receive revelation, it's to yield, to just simply yield to the Holy Spirit. And so I yielded and I was like, well, if it's you, Lord, then I want it. And again, I'm all by myself at this point. Um, and this has kind of been the way my life goes a lot of time the great some of the greatest moments of revelation that i've had have been because i was just me and god when i was baptized in the holy spirit i fought tongues i think i had an encounter that was the baptism of the holy spirit but i fought against it and i was because i was again like i didn't want to laugh i didn't want to speak in tongues i grew up baptist i'm you know i'm trying to be respectable here i want i want to be a good baptist pentecostal who doesn't speak in tongues that's what i thought i don't know I want the fire of the Pentecostals and I want the, the you know, decency of the Baptists. And then one night I was alone with God and I said, Lord, if it's you, 
that I wanted. And I'm going to just yield to you. And I'm going to begin to speak in tongues. And if it's of the devil, then then reveal to me that it's demonic and let's kill this devil and crush it under feet and move on and never do this Pentecostal thing. Um, but if it's you, I want it. And I yielded and I began to speak in tongues and I didn't stop. Never stopped. And in fact, I'm glad I yielded. Well, the same thing happened this day when I'm in 2016, when I'm sitting in a computer in my new church that the Lord had lined up miraculously for exactly the amount of money that I wanted in the exact place I wanted to be. And so I'm sitting in the chair and I'm and I'm just yielding, watching Kenneth Hagin and the laughter boils over. And I'm just laughing and I'm laughing and I'm in my mind I'm thinking what in the heck is going on? This isn't you. You're not a you you know most of the pictures of me in my life as I look mad or angry or mad dogging you know like trying to look tough or something I, who knows why mostly because I didn't have a revelation that my daddy God father Papa Abba loved me and accepted me and embraced me and that I had nothing to be insecure about um, but there I was laughing and in my mind thinking okay this is weird on another occasion um, I, and, it, and honestly, it, I'll tell you, it was about someone, we'll say a famous worship leader, uh, Brian Johnson. And um, he had given his testimony about how he wanted to kill himself and how he had drank a bunch of alcohol or something and, you know, was going to take some pills. I, I don't really know the whole story. I was hearing the the testimony on the other side where he didn't and that the Lord delivered him of the spirit of suicide and depression. And so I'm just literally somebody recounting the story. I don't even know if I was listening. I think I was listening to him talk about it. Um, and when I heard that said, I could I just started laughing. And my even my wife was like like getting a little uncomfortable like why are you laughing at this? And I honestly couldn't really formulate at the time why but it was the joy of the lord overflowing and i know now it was the lord saying like the cure for what he's talking about is the joy the cure that will deliver you from the kind of stuff he's talking about is the joy and it was also as a, and i kind of saw this later it was a warning that that kind of spirit of oppression and depression and suicide is coming to the church and the leaders and the, the worshipers and the pastors, they're not immune to it and it's going to come and it did. And we had suicide pastors committing suicide in this last year. We've got testimonies of you know people saying they were going to give up, they were going to kill themselves. I mean, I can give you a list of names of, of notable in the spotlight pastors preachers family members of famous pastors that you know they were going to kill themselves and uh, some did you know god forbid took their own life pastors with families and congregations and people praying for them and supporting them accountability to to famous evangelists and they're taking their freaking life and god told me in the midst of the season of joy one night and i'm laughing in the spirit i'm being blown away blasted with joy the lord was like remember when you laughed about brian johnson's story that is 
what you're doing now, what you're doing now is about that. And what's going to keep you from the suicide, Pastor Andrew? What's going to keep you from the relapse and the drugs and the alcohol and going back to that life? What's going to keep you in this season and this time that we're heading into is the joy of the Lord. So I have no apologies for the joy, okay? Uh, the joy is saving my life. The joy is keeping me from falling into the depression that I've seen other friends that fall into. The suicide that, that plagues this generation. You know, I'm 40 years old. I mean, I'm due for some midlife crisis according to the standard of the world. And I'm actually the, the high point of the joy of, of the Lord in my life because I have a revelation of God's acceptance for who I am. I have a revelation of, of the Father loving me and calling me son. I have a revelation that it's all grace. And that makes me really happy. <laughs> I mean, that makes me pretty dang excited. And it's saving my life. It's saving my marriage. It's making my relationship with my children better. I'm not depressed. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. And here we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And all I can say is, like, I'm laughing, literally, in the spirit most days. So when I go to, to my church that I serve in, playing guitar in the band, every time we come together, whether it's to do our radio show, we did an international broadcast recently to 10-plus nations, a hardcore metal underground festival that was hosted through um, Pastor... Uh, a pastor down in Mexico, um, Pastor Miguel, he has a church down there, um, Church of the Underground, something like that. But anyway, so, you know, whether we're doing that or anything, it's like the Holy Ghost just, show, just shows up. He shows up and it's a time of refreshing. And every week we come together and there's times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And so 2016, I closed my church. Um, our church went through a very difficult time. We had um, some leadership issues. Uh, we had some spiritual bondage attached to that leadership problem. And we had some bitter and angry people that wanted to control the vision and the direction of our church. Um, I found myself the most offended at my own church and my own pastors at the time because that I've ever been and I and I would go home and I'm this is like leading up to 2016 and I would sit in my closet and I would pray and I would say these thoughts do not belong to me these are not my thoughts this is not how I feel this is does not belong to me I bind it, I rebuke it, I crush it under my feet, and I would just pray and intercede, and I would pray for my pastors, I would pray for my church, and I felt like the devil himself wanted to end our church. He wanted to destroy the lives of the people in the church. He wanted to destroy and and kill some of us to kill our pastors. I'm not, not even joking. I mean, I've never in my life experienced the level of spiritual oppression that I felt in that season and honestly you know I'd wage war at home in the prayer closet and then I would just I would keep doing what I knew to do 
But then it, it wasn't until the Spirit of God just would move. And, and I remember, like, so our my pastor would preach, and he would preach these sermons that I listen to them now, and they, I laugh, actually, with joy, knowing that, like, what he was battling against then we're free of now. And people have opinions about that, and they can be angry, they can be bitter. They can say, are you trying to say those spirit, spiritual things you referred to were attached to people? Yes. In fact, if I've learned one thing about Christianity, that there is no Christian life without people, there is no spiritual warfare without people, there are no powers and principalities on the planet unless it involves people, governments involve people, the devil uses people. Are you saying the devil used Christians? Yes. Okay, now, that's what I've come to understand by my own experience, you know, and what I the only solution to any of it is to, in humility, to submit yourself to God. In humility, to, be, to, to come to God and say, you know what, Lord, if I'm the problem, show it to me. If, I, if there's something in my life oppressing me, Lord, set me free. God, I repent, I turn from, I confess my old way, my old offenses, my old thinking is wrong, and that the right way is to submit in humility to you and spiritual authority in my life. That will set you free. Now, I say that as someone who went through that. So my pastor would be preaching in 2016, and he would be going through a sermon, and every word just felt like sandpaper, taken off a rough edge of my life, of my soul. It was like, rub me wrong, I'd be offended, hurt my feelings, this and that. And I would just sort of sit through it the whole time thinking like, I actually know that everything he's saying is true. And it's hard for me to hear, and that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem whenever, if I closed my eyes and I heard these same words, that I wouldn't have a problem with the words themselves. But for some reason, there's something that's poisoning my mind against the person who's saying it. And I thought, I want to be free of that mess. Whatever that is, I want to be free. And so my pastor would preach, and he would give these sermons. I'm like, yes, I know this is true, but for some reason it's so offensive right now. It's, it's really upsetting me. And then he would get, and I'm just going to be honest, just sitting through the meeting to the very end, and then he would, he would just close his Bible. And the Holy Ghost would enter the room. And all that offense, all of that conflict and turmoil as I yielded to the spirit coming into the room, all of it melted away. All of it just began, things began to just fall off of my life. Every meeting was like that. And here's the thing. He wasn't, he, when he closed his Bible, he wasn't even saying anything. He would just sit there in silence and it would just be like, okay. And the Holy Spirit would be like, all right, I'll take it from here. And the end of those meetings Holy Ghost took over. I mean, right now I'm getting the cold chills just thinking about it. Because people who couldn't yield at the end of those meetings walked out the door and never came back. I'm not here to judge their lives. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. It's between them and God, you know. But I will say that I'm freer now today because I yielded to the Holy Ghost that I let the word offend me, you know, it stirred me, it challenged me, and then I yielded to the Holy Ghost to do the work that needed to be done. It wasn't about what I could do, you know. I would hear those sermons, and then I, and I would it'd be about how religious 
you know, people are and how they love tradition and they love form and they love all of these things, right? But their hearts are far from God. And I'm like being like challenged by this. And then at the end of the meeting, I'd be laughing and bawling, crying hysterically. And the only thing I can think in my heart and my mind is that I'm the worst one. <laughs> that I'm the I'm the problem. Like, and it's I'm not like offended by that. I'm like it's like me and the Holy Ghost have our my arm arms around each other and we're laughing together. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like I'm so that I've been so far from God. And and it's like things you would it's like be weeping and sad about I was actually filled with joy about because I was able to admit it and confront that these things were in my heart that I was missing the Lord because I was filled with you know the need for approval and I was had this competitive spirit that I had to like one up everybody and that like I was even trying to one up my pastor I mean like like, that's absurd that's just, just insanity and I would laugh and I would cry and I would laugh and I would cry and it was the best time of my life and we started having meetings every single night for 120 days I think so three times four uh, 40 days straight we did that three times we just got done doing 40 days of meetings and just the level of, of revelation that I would get Sometimes we'd come into the meeting and we would just, it would like, we'd open the door and we'd be cranked to 11 in the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, immediately I'm weeping and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm shouting and I'm excited and I'm stoked and I'm falling in love with Jesus again. And I'm having this revelation that I'm a son, that the father loves me just as he loves Jesus, that I belong to him, that I can't screw that up. You know, are you saying you can't lose your salvation? I think it's a lot harder than you think. I mean, that's what I've been taught. That's what I've learned. I think that no matter where you are, it's always turning to the cross in faith and receiving grace that is going to sustain you, that is going to fix you, that is going to drive you forward. And so today I'm excited about the things of God. I'm really happy. I, I believe that God wants to bring revival to more places, you know, and we prayed for revival. I mean, don't, it wasn't like we didn't have our eyes open for when it came, you know, we prayed every morning. I mean, even in my own church, you know, I prayed every Monday morning at 6 a.m. with my church at, my, at the altar every morning. For year, for from between two thousand at least nine I think until twenty sixteen or somewhere on there, so every morning at the same time the church in Hearst is praying at six a.m. Most of our church plants are praying for revival. Um, I don't think I knew what what it would be. I, it wasn't what I expected when it happened. You know, we I even taught revival to my church I mean every morning I'd, I'd hold these meetings where we'd study a move of revival I've written a published article on an important figure from the Azusa Street uh, revival in, in an encyclopedia of Christianity you know, so it was like, like I'm n dumb to this I've been to Azusa Street I've walked through the Bonnie Bray house where, where the Pentecostal movement essentially began I mean so I, I know, I knew revival, I understood, I, but I didn't know, I didn't really know what that would mean for me until it happened.
until I was awakened, till I was restored, till I was given revelation. Um, and that's the really the third part of it all. You know, you're born again, and and, and you you have a revelation of Jesus and how much He loves you. This is what it was for me. Then I had a revelation that it's really the Holy Ghost doing it all. I mean, making it happen. He's He's the He's the anointing. He's the Christ in Jesus Christ. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of Jesus, and He's all, His own self. It's all you know wrapped in one. I mean, you might challenge me theologically. Talking about the Trinity ain't easy, guys. Okay, but let's just admit we know. We know the theology, okay? Whatever sound, okay, I agree with that. But it was the Spirit of God working that I was like, this, now I'm like, I, he's living in me, and he's He's working through me, and it's more than just when I was born of the Spirit. It's like, now I'm baptized, I'm drowning in the Spirit. But then it was when I got to this revelation that the Father loves me. He likes me, he accepts me, he approves of me, even, even if I just closed my church and went and sat down and did absolutely nothing until he told me to move. Even if I moved to Germany and I sold all that I own to go to Germany and sit down and enjoy the presence of God without the comfort and benefits of friends and family to make me feel good and encourage me. In fact, to suffer the rejection that I received by making that decision to follow the Lord. Um, we went to Germany and I'll tell you now, like. At that broken point, revival was moving. I'd closed my church. I started working more. I remember the day I was driving, driving home from the college, and I'm driving down this one road, and I'm just frustrated because I don't. I was like, God, I'm, I'm meant for more than this. I'm meant for so much more than this. And the Lord was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, hold on. He doesn't always ask that question, but if you know he's asking, give him an answer because you're going to get what you ask for. He says, what do you want to do? I said, well, Lord. I want to go back to Germany. And he said, then why just, why don't you? Why don't you just go back to Germany? And I was like, for how long? I'm like, well, you live your life a semester at a time, just give a semester. So I was like, okay. And I just immediately registered and I knew and I went home and I told my wife and she was like, yeah. And as it began to unfold, we were like, if we're going to do this, let's go all in. We didn't even have, we moved out of our apartment. Before we left, we put we sold all of our possessions except what we could get in our car. We put our wedding rings on the altar before God, and we said, Lord, take this marriage, take our lives, take everything we have. We're going to die in the season of revival to everything else, and we're just going to throw ourselves into what the next thing is you're saying, and we're going to give ourselves to it. And we did, and it was great. And we went to Germany, and like I said, we talked to maybe six, seven people in six months. It's not easy to go to a country like Germany that's for one people don't talk to each other I can give you excuses but it's whatever I talked to as many people as I wanted to and that was fine with me and I put tracks on people's cars and I handed them out and I did all the things I would do and I had a great time because really in that season it was all about just leaning on God and trusting him and letting him do what he wanted to do in my life okay that's the end five minutes let me tell you the gospel simply stated you sinned against God you've broken his commandments he owes you wrath he owes you judgment and he owes you death same thing for me same thing for everyone on this planet that has red blood and sucks wind we have broken and transgressed the laws of God if God is good and God is just and God is holy he must judge sin there must be a judgment day and there must be justice of some kind you wouldn't want a judge that had no justice
he would be a bad judge. But God as a good judge is going to be just in his decision. Because he loves us though, he already provided the bailout. He gave us Jesus and that in our place, the good, perfect son Jesus died on the cross, suffered the wrath and penalty that you and I deserve for breaking his law. He died, went into the grave, rose again, and is now seated with the Father. He is our bridge to the Father. The scripture says, John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The point isn't to get to heaven or get out of hell. The point is that the destination is the Father, that we come to the Father, we, we, we know Him, and we are united with Him by the blood of Jesus, bridging the gap and satisfying the wrath that we deserve and washing our slate clean and imputing righteousness to us. So we stand before God covered in the blood as holy people, not just sinners, but holy people because we've received what Christ's righteousness has afforded us. If you believe that, two things have to happen. You turn from your sin and you live in faith. When that has happened, okay, God will prove that it actually happened by you being born again. Repent and believe. It's always one thing. Be born again. The born again experience is not just for some kinds of Christians. It is what qualifies you as a Christian. If you do not have it, you are not a Christian. So I encourage you today. It's not about praying a scripted prayer. It's about thinking deeply about what, what I just told you and bringing that before God and saying, that's my case, that's my situation. Lord, I can't fix it, but you can. Throw yourself on his mercy. Allow, yield to the Holy Spirit, and God can save you. Um, he, he will make you a new person. Praise God. And then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. It'll only get better from there. All right. Well, that's the five minutes. So this episode has been about revival. The times of refreshing that are promised to us when we repent and put our faith in Jesus, our sins are blotted out, we're born again, there will be times of refreshing. If it's been too long since you were refreshed, if it's been too long since you had a word from God that literally changed everything in your life, like seek it, find it, look for it. Get into a church that believes in these things, that believes in revival. If you want to come visit our church, we're in Hearst, Texas, 310 West Pipeline Road. Right now, I don't know, meetings are uh, difficult to pin down, but uh, we've been doing some online stuff and some, some legal services as well, um, given the restrictions. But I, I believe all that is about to change anyway. So come and see us. If you want to know more, you can always go to dbchurst.com. Um, we're also on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, so with that said, be blessed. Be revived. Don't, don't burn out and fade away. There is revival. It's normal Christianity. Seek it. Find it. You need it in this time.
Here comes your victory. Here comes your breakthrough.